The conversations that we have with ourselves really matter. Now, I can go in so many directions with this podcast in regards to self-talk, but I'm going to nail it down. I'm going to narrow it down to one particular vein. A lot of times I hear folks say, I even find myself saying, I have to do something. One of the benefits of our practice is that our perspective and our perception of things can be changed and can be changed consciously. The conversations that we have with ourselves really do matter, impact our life, and take us in a multitude of directions. Some of the directions we want and are favorable, some of them are not, and some of them are just downright illusions, justifications, rationalizations of prior mindsets, traumas, or things that we didn't even know that needed reconciliation. A huge, subtle part of the practice of yoga is accountability. In the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali tells us things are either klishta or aklishta, painful or painless. And deciding on how or what we choose, we determine what direction our path is going to take us. Is it going to take us to painfulness and struggle, or is it going to take us to self-liberation and self-awareness? Do a quick search in regards to self-talk, and you will find hundreds and hundreds of different books already written about self-talk, hundreds of thousands of Google links on the benefit, the science of self-talk, but I'm going to really bring it down to one particular phrase that always makes my ears perk up when I hear someone say it, when I hear myself say it. What I liked the most and sometimes hated the most about the practice of yoga was the unconditional responsibility of managing my own happiness, sadness, liberation, bondage, suffering, success, whatever you want to call it, the trajectory of my life, I'm responsible for that. That tiny little detour into the yoga sutras of things being painful or painless and us being accountable, responsible for our mindset in regards to what direction our life is going to take us is really important because it starts the sobering fact that we're not victims. We're kind of like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. We're wearing the red slippers all the time. We always have been. It's just that no one's ever told us this. No one's ever shared with us that we have the absolute power to change the direction of our life. The challenge is, is that we're trying to do it from the outside in. And when we change things from the outside in, whether it's our body with exercise or forcing ourselves to go on a particular diet to lose weight, or sacrificing time to achieve our goals. When we do things from the outside in, unconsciously, we're actually creating force. And if the resistance from the inside is strong enough, the change is going to be temporary. Once we lose our grip on it, once we just slip just the tiniest bit, resistance takes hold and we start going down that slippery slope again, possibly finding ourselves in the same or possibly even worse circumstance than we were before. If you're tired of being on this slippery slope, if you're tired of treading water all the time, then we have to start being open to the idea that the changes need to happen from the inside out. When I teach, I love to say the practice of yoga is an inside job. In other words, we take the time to actually begin to examine how we think, the things that we say to ourselves, the conversations that we have with ourselves, because that is the magic bullet of permanent change. Study says that 50 to 80% of our thoughts and conversations that we have with ourselves 
are either negative, working against us, an old script, and although those old scripts helped us in the past, they may not help us in the current direction that we're trying to take our life. So let me give you an example. When we were small, around the ages of two or three, it was pretty common because we were emotionally immature to have temper tantrums. We did not have language to help us describe our frustration and to help us get what we needed or get what we wanted. So instead of talking about it, we'd kind of get down on the floor and have a temper tantrum. If those temper tantrums were successful, if we got what we needed, then our brain logs that away and recalls it to use it in the future to get what we need. Now, of course, as adults, we're not getting down on the target on the floor, white-fisted, red-faced, stomping and trying to scream for what we want. No. But if those temper tantrums when we were young, if they got us what we wanted, then we're smart enough to change how we have a temper tantrum to get what we need in adulthood. So if we think we deserve a raise and we don't get that raise and our go-to way of getting things was to have a temper tantrum, we're not going to have a temper tantrum probably right in front of our boss, but we're going to have this mood about us and we're going to take it out on other people. Maybe when we get home, we're really angry with our spouse. That anger that we used to have, and we used to let it out with a temper tantrum to get us what we want, we're now going to manifest it in other parts of our lives. Now, we're doing all of this unconsciously. We think we're very justified with our emotions, with our reactions, not realizing that it's an old script that we used to use when we were younger. We've just tailored it to be more socially acceptable in adulthood. But the thing is, it's still not going to get us what we want. All of this is now leading us up to that phrase, I have to. And I found myself saying this a lot. I have to go to work. I have to meditate. I have to do yoga. I have to, I have to, I have to. The challenge with that statement is it's very disempowering. When I say I have to do something, I'm basically saying, I'm not choosing it. I don't want to do it. I have to do it because some outside force is responsible for my life. And that outside force is making me make this choice. And because I'm out of control of my life, I have to do, insert whatever the task you think you have to do. But Vicki, there are things that we do have to do to sustain ourselves, to survive, to live this life. My response is, Absolutely. And then I asked the person, hold your hand up and spread your fingers nice and wide. You got five fingers there, right? Okay, here we go. There are five things that we have to do. We have to eat. We have to sleep. We have to have input and output, biologically speaking. We have to hydrate. And we have to have shelter. Those are the five things that we have to do. And here comes the gem. What we might be missing is we have to do those things, but we have control on how we do those things and how we do those things. That is what defines the quality, the fabric, the trajectory of our life. How we do those things, that's what brings the power back into our lives. Now, this might sound a little graphic at first, but bear with me. When I find myself saying, I have to do X, I kind of have a little conversation with myself and I say, if I put a gun to my head, would I have to do this 
right here and right now? And I got to tell you, most of the times, the answer is going to be no, unless it's those five root things. Now, the child inside of me, more often than not, would have a temper tantrum because it wants what it wants, and it's going to dog me until I give it what it wants. And so the internal dialogue begins, and the awareness, the witnessing of what this conversation also begins. The trick to this is to kind of pull yourself away from the conversation, and instead of experiencing it, instead of the thoughts and the emotions and the desire, instead of that being your experience, witnessing it like you're watching a third person. Because I promise you, that same conversation, if you were witnessing someone else having that internal conversation with themselves, that little temper tantrum, that desire of having what they want, when they want, in the moment that they want it, regardless of whether or not they need it, if you were to witness that same conversation in someone else, you could see objectively, how unnecessary it is, how childlike it is, and how the person is contributing to their own suffering by having this tug and pull, this temper tantrum with themselves. It's hard to see that inside of ourselves at first because we are really good at justifying and rationalizing what we're thinking, what we're feeling, because the track has been laid down long time ago, early on in our life. So it makes sense to us to feel this way, to think this way, to have this sense of urgency, to have to have the things that we want, because that's what we're accustomed to. That's our point of view. That's our perception. And frankly, that's what the ego wants. When we get upset of the things that we don't want, the things that we desire, We unconsciously put ourselves in the role of a victim. It takes accountability away from us and it makes us powerless. And when we are powerless, we start the chain reaction of getting ourselves into survival mode. And when we're in survival mode, we have more adrenaline, more cortisol running through us. Our mindset, our physical vision becomes very myopic, very focused. And we're making choices based on fear. And when we come from fear, we're usually not making the best choices for longevity, for uh, our higher self. We're not making the best choices that help us go in the direction that benefits our life long-term. We're thinking short-term, getting what we need at that moment, and then we'll deal with it. And then we'll fix it along the way a little bit at a time. And if it's worked for you up until this time, wonderful, fantastic. Stop listening to the podcast right now. But if it's not working for you, if it's exhausting for you, if you want to start getting your power back, getting out of victimhood, keep listening because some of the solutions are really simple, super basic, and give us results. Up until now, we've laid the groundwork of getting an understanding of the things that we have to do and the conversations that we have with ourselves and understanding that most of the solutions that our brain automatically recalls are out of date, so they don't really work for us. Here's one thing that I want you to remember. The things that we used in the past to survive will not be the same thoughts or skills that we're going to take with ourselves into the future to thrive. You can't do both. Being in survival mode, that gave you one set of skills. And by the way, as we go changing our internal script, 
coming from a place of gratitude, we want to thank those old mindsets for getting us to this point. Because there was a time where we needed to think in that way. When we were two years old and we were doing temper tantrums, we needed that because we didn't have language. We didn't have an understanding of the bigger world around us. We didn't even have an understanding of ourself. We still were attached to our mother from a personality standpoint. So whatever we've done in the past, however we have thought in the past, as we start changing it, right? As we start going from surviving to thriving, taking moments of gratitude for the things that worked back then, but may not work now is an important part of the process because there was a time when we needed it. And to be grateful for having that when we needed it is important. We get to say goodbye, but we get to acknowledge that it was necessary. And that's a huge part of a gratitude practice. The next thing to be aware and what gratitude helps us with is to get rid of or get out of the habit of or watch ourselves if we put blame, shame, criticism, or judgment as we go through this transition. The ego has a really great way of shaming us and blaming us. We do this to ourselves and we do it unconsciously. When we find that there's something that isn't working for us, instead of focusing on that's then, let's transition to now. In other words, being very pragmatic and utilitarian about it, the ego will put another layer of something on top of it to kind of keep us in the throes of the past. And it does that by layering something on top of it. Let's say shame being embarrassed that we even were feeling or thinking or acting in a certain way. And then what happens is we get caught up in the story. We get caught up in the shame of our actions or our thoughts instead of focusing on closing that door, being grateful for having that, and then working towards the transition and then eventually into the future. When we put, in this case, shame on top of that, we're going to be consumed with the shame. And then what happens is instead of working on the solution, we get hung up on either hiding the shame or feeling bad about the shame or criticizing or judging ourselves about the shame. We get caught up in the story and now that creates a whole new way of managing those emotions instead of focusing on moving our way past that and into the future. Now that we understand some of these principles, and there's a lot of them, as you can see, we're incredibly complex. There's a lot of layers to us. But understanding it, that I think is the hardest part, really trying to get or wrap our heads around how we tick, how we work, learning it, understanding that everybody works this way. That kind of takes some of the secrecy and the shame away from it because We are all the same. We are all going through the same. I tend to say the stories may change, but the pain, the suffering is exactly the same. So even bringing that into the sunlight helps us understand we're not alone. And if we're not alone, that gives us hope because if others have gotten themselves out of it or if others are going through it, that feeling of belonging 
really does help us kind of take some of the shadow away from it. Things have power over us when we keep them in the dark and when we keep them secret and when we apply all these other negative emotions on top of it and then we focus on those emotions instead of into the transition. So now that we have some understanding on how we tick and how everybody else ticks, some of the solutions are very simple. And it's so simple that it can actually be its downfall. When we find ourselves telling ourselves that we have to do something, go back to the concept of there's very few things that we have to do. Take your power back and say how we choose to do those things, that is completely in our control and that will define, create the fabric of our life. That brings your power back to you. Yeah, there are things that we have to do, but how we choose to do them is what's going to dictate the quality of our life and our ability to feel empowered. When I find myself saying or trying to convince myself that I have to do something, I change the conversation and there's, I change it in different ways. I may say, I get to do this. I don't have to go to yoga. I get to go to yoga. I don't have to meditate. I get to meditate or I have the privilege to do this, or I have the opportunity to process this emotion because I don't have to feel it. I can just process it. And giving myself my power back and my choice back and putting things into their proper perspective starts to take the victim mentality away, starts to take powerlessness away, and it brings me my power back. It now becomes a choice on how I'm going to live my life based on those root things that I need to do for survival. I'll give you a couple of examples from my own life. I think it was a year ago where the rents were so ridiculously high down here in South Florida that there was no way that I wanted to, or maybe even could, continue with this high level of rate. They wanted to increase my rate, my rent, a thousand dollars a month. I found myself saying, I have to get out of here. I have to uh, find another place to live. Instead of doing that, I changed the conversation with myself. I said, I have this unique opportunity to get out of the rut that I'm in, and I get to see things a lot differently. And that take me, took me to a completely different trajectory where I was able to incorporate a concept in my life, a concept in yogic life of enough is enough, of reducing, of minimalizing, and getting to the things that I actually just need instead of everything that I want. Instead of saying, oh, these prices down here, they're forcing me to move out of my house or out of my poshy apartment, and I have to move. That statement right there would have had me dragging my feet, feeling like a victim, totally stressed out. And I was for a while while I was having that conversation. But then when I realized that this was a unique opportunity, I get to, and I have the privilege of redoing my life all over again, that made me see it more as an opportunity, a puzzle, an adventure. And it left me better than I was because now I wasn't thinking in survival mode. I wasn't stressed out. I wasn't upset. I didn't feel like a victim. I was able to explore 
unorthodox, totally different things that I had known of in my past that defined either success or how to live or even where to live. The moment I allowed myself to let go of what I thought to be true, what I thought to be necessary, and what I thought to be something that was mine and a constant, the moment I let all those things go and I relaxed into it, I was able to see life in a completely different way. And I got to tell you, I ended up better than I was. I was able to scale back a lot of the things that I was doing to make my rent happen. And that dominoed into having more free time, working a little bit less, and finding new hobbies or reigniting existing hobbies. Because now I was having more time to be able to do the things I love instead of just for survival. So not only did I change my mindset, I changed my whole life and my whole perspective on life. By changing that conversation, the change was always going to come. I was either going to work even more than I was working, which didn't seem appealing this later in my life. I was already working quite a few hours. I was already exhausted or I was going to move from the place that I was. The thing that made it different was in changing my mindset, I actually made the process a lot more enjoyable and I felt that I was in control of the process, in control of myself the whole time. Change is always going to happen. It just depends on what our mindset is, how open we are, what kind of conversation that we have with ourselves that will define the quality of life. The Buddha is stated as saying, the root of all suffering is our inability to accept change. The problem is, even if we accept change, the conversation that we have with ourselves about the change will decide how frustrating it is or how pleasant that process is going to be. And our perception about everything, including the changes that we're going through life, is our reality. If the conversation is forceful, if the conversation pits us into a corner, if the conversation is we have no choice, then we're going to be in survival mode and that's the quality, the vibration of our life that we're going to be putting inside of ourselves and we're going to be putting outside into the outside world. And then that's what we also will attract because like attracts like. But the good news is we have control over this. Changing our mindset to more gratitude, I'm not saying it's easy. Every time we build a brand new skill, there's going to be challenges. There are going to be delays. There are going to be lessons to learn. But once you have that skill set even remotely established inside of yourself, then the conversation can start changing. Remember, witness yourself like you're watching someone else. And that means you're not going to put guilt, remorse, criticizing, shame, blame on top of what you're witnessing. Witness yourself like you are witnessing someone else. And that'll give you the objectivity to get away from rationalizing and justifying the stinking thinking that's going to lead you down the path of survival. Last thing I want to leave you with, because it's an important point, the same skills we use to survive are not the same skills that we need to use in order to thrive. Be grateful for the lessons that we've had in the past because they got us here to this moment understand, be open to letting them go by changing the conversation in your mind. And all of these things we have control over. It's also important to note that you want to stay authentic and honest about it. I'm not talking about toxic positivity where we try to convince ourselves 
that a less than pleasant scenario is great. What we're trying to do is detach a little bit, witness ourselves, notice where we're playing a role in bringing in a negative limiting vibration and mindset that stops us from seeing the opportunity, the possibilities of, of a situation. Some situations are not what we want. So instead of trying to convince ourselves that it's wonderful and fantastic, coming from the place of gratitude, we understand that a lot of the things that we go through, everything that we go through has to do with learning lessons that are going to help us in the future or help us process the past. Don't try to convince yourself that a really bad situation is better than it is. Just be in gratitude that you have the privilege to actually go through it and an opportunity to learn from it so that can kind of slingshot you forward into another thing. Because here's the thing about emotions, about the world, about our life. It's kind of like South Florida weather. If you don't like the weather right now, wait about 15 minutes. It's going to change. The thing is during those 15 minutes, are you going to complain about the rain or are you going to see the opportunity that it brings about, the blessings that it brings about, the lessons that it brings about? Because the change is coming. Your life is defined by how you think about the times that are not going the way you want them to. Time to wrap up this installment of Follow the Yogi. See you in the next podcast.